This is HSBC Global Viewpoint, your window into the thinking, trends and issues shaping global banking and markets. Join us as we hear from industry leaders and HSBC experts on the latest insights and opportunities for your business. A heads up to our listeners that this episode is being recorded remotely, therefore the sound quality may vary. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the latest in our ESG Talks podcast series. We are featuring a variety of different topics that are currently trending in the ESG space, including regulation and now specifically around private assets. Introducing the topic is HSBC Security Services Senior Product Manager for Global Trustee and Fiduciary Services, Very Sandeman. Very, over to you. Thank you, Gabriella. Today, we are exploring the topic of ESG regulatory considerations for private asset managers. ESG has become an increasingly important subject to governments, regulators, businesses, and to investors globally, as we seek to address climate change and promote sustainability. And of course, to ensure that companies are run in an ethical, socially responsible and well-governed manner. Investor demand has led to a marked rise in ESG-led investment. And in tandem, regulators and governments have developed requirements to support this growth and further protect investors. This has resulted in a growth in private assets such as infrastructure, renewables and private debt funding the shift to carbon neutral. As well as the benefit of increased investment in this areas and the positive impact that financial services can make to ESG goals through investment choices, private asset managers also have to overcome challenges around ESG standards and reporting requirements. And all this against an ever-evolving backdrop of ESG regulation and disclosure requirements. To explore this further, I'm delighted to be joined by my colleagues from HSBC Security Services. Michael Madsen, Global Head of Product for Private Assets, and Jennifer Lowe, Senior Product Manager for Regulation. A very warm welcome to you both, and thank you for joining me today. Hi, Vari. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks. No problem. Thank you. Now, Michael, before we explore the ESG regulatory requirement, could you please give an overview of the different types of private assets and current investment trends around these, please? Of course, Vary. So when we talk about private assets, those are broadly assets that are not securities and are not tradable on a market, and they are most often also illiquid in nature. The main categories are private equity, uh, where you know investments are happening into portfolio companies, either directly or through co-investment vehicles or participations into private equity funds, investments into operating businesses of nearly any kind, and um, with the view to have a um, an exit with distribution of capital gains. Real estate, another main category, investments into property. Again, investments can be either directly or indirectly through funds. Properties are often buildings with tenants generating uh, rental income, uh, but can also be development of new property uh, projects from the ground up. A similar investment types uh, is infrastructure investments. Right. They focus on investments into specific assets in the space of transportation, util- utilities, etc. Currently in infrastructure, we see a lot of investment going into renewables, wind and solar projects. Private debt or private credit can be understood as investments into loans that are not tradable on public markets. The purpose of the loans can relate to pretty much anything, but uh, typically in, relate to, in, in relation to other private asset classes, so project financing or uh, investments into, um, for investments into real estate, et cetera. 
there are other categories as well, like uh, venture capital or forestry or, or shipping. So as you can hear, there are quite a varied uh, asset class here. And uh, as a consequence, the ESG considerations around them will vary a lot as well. Thanks very much, Michael, for giving us that overview. And Jen, before we delve into the specific ESG regulatory considerations for private assets, could you give us an overview of some of the ESG regulations that we've seen globally, please? Sure, Mari. So globally, over the past several years, we've seen a whole raft of new ESG regulations developing across each of the regions. And so regulators have been very busy developing specific measures to help achieve the sustainability targets set by governments and policymakers. And the primary aim of these regulations, I'd say, is really to provide the transparency that is needed by investors and ultimately facilitate the flow of private capital towards sustainable technologies and businesses. In terms of specific developments, I think starting with Europe, the EU has been regarded as leading the way for the other regions, really influencing some of the approaches and directions of other jurisdictions. Its main regulation, the Sustainable Financial Disclosures Regulation, is considered to be the most advanced globally. And this sets out mandatory sustainability-related disclosures for EU asset owners and asset managers, as well as non-EU managers that market to EU investors. Another major regulation in the EU implemented in parallel to SFDR is the EU framework regulation, or more commonly known as the EU taxonomy. And this establishes the common definition of what is environmentally sustainable. The taxonomy applies across both financial and non-financial sectors, and it requires certain large EU companies, asset managers, and insurance companies to disclose specific key performance indicators against the activities that it's identified as being taxonomy aligned. Um, looking beyond the EU, the UK has committed to making TCFD-aligned climate disclosures mandatory across the economy by 2025. And now it's looking to build upon these initiatives disclosure requirements. And central to this is really the proposal for a sustainability disclosure framework, which essentially will bring together existing sustainability-related disclosure requirements under one integrated framework. And this is really building upon the measures already underway to implement TCFD disclosures, but expand the scope to cover broader sustainability topics beyond climate change. Kind of rounding out that summary, I think regulators in the Asia region as well have also been gaining considerable pace over the past couple of years, and they're really quickly catching up to their counterparts in the EU. So taking, for example, Hong Kong, the Securities and Futures Commission have made specific amendments to its fund manager code of conduct, which will require fund managers to consider climate-related risks. And Singapore as well has also issued new guidelines for asset managers on environmental risk management and further disclosure requirements are expected to come from the MAS later this year as well. Over in the US, there's been this renewed attention by policymakers on ESG issues, and regulators are really trying to get up to speed with the other regions. Very recently in March, we saw the US Securities and Exchange Commission propose broad climate disclosure rules that would essentially require firms registered with the SEC which may include some of the larger private companies with a certain number of shareholders, to disclose a broad range of their greenhouse gas emissions and annual financial statements. And lastly, but not least, in the MENAC region, ESG, I'd say, is really in the early stages of development. But 
I'd say also activity is really picking up pace in some of the region's more dynamic economies. Thanks very much for setting the global picture there, Jen. Obviously, there's a huge amount of different regulations in progress. And would you say that regulations and regulators are driving ESG for private assets, Jen? I think the short answer is, is yes. Regulators are certainly driving the entire investment chain to, to consider and integrate ESG factors throughout the investment process. Many of these regional regulations have already started to apply, but the momentum of the regulators really resumes at pace as they're looking to expand upon those baseline requirements and work to implement further measures over the next several years. So I'd say that the regulatory drivers are likely to continue to shape how asset managers integrate ESG into their operating models. But also in terms of what's driving ESG for private assets, I think regulation, although it's a main driver, it needs to be looked at in combination with some other factors, specifically this bottom-up pressure from asset owners and underlying investors. During the pandemic, we saw many ESG-conscious investors focus on public markets only, but I think as the environment sort of somewhat restabilizes, investors are turning their attention to private markets. So from a commercial perspective, asset managers really need to look at ESG and take it seriously. And they need to be able to clearly articulate how they are embedding ESG factors really in order to remain credible to investors and competitive against their peers. Hey, thanks, Jen. And focusing back on the regulatory driver, are there specific elements in the regulations that will be more relevant to private assets and any specific considerations for private asset managers? Um, I think the regulations are not specific to private assets, but private asset managers are certainly in scope as certain requirements do apply to alternative investments and alternative investment fund managers. Taking the EU's disclosure regulation as an example, impacted alternative investment fund managers will be required to disclose how sustainability risks are integrated into their investment decisions and publish information on related policies. They will also need to disclose the likely impact of these risks on financial returns of the funds. And for products that are promoting environmental or social characteristics, or for products with a sustainable investment as an objective, additional disclosures will also need to be made. So I think currently for private asset managers, ESG is certainly an area which they need to engage as regulations are putting the pressure on them to do so, even if that practical nature of that engagement is is yet to be clearly established. But there are also very um, complex factors that need to be considered, and the specific ESG focus areas may be different depending on the type of private asset. As Michael made the point earlier, private assets can vary quite a lot. And therefore, the way that ESG is evaluated and expressed can vary by the type of private asset. So just giving a couple of examples, taking private equity as an example, increasingly limited partners are factoring ESG issues into investment decisions. And private equity firms that want to demonstrate their commitment to ESG really need to consider how do they embed that evaluation into every step of the investment process, starting from fund screening. This may involve using ESG factors to negatively screen investments, looking at factors that may lead to risk of loss, and then also incorporating ESG factors in the due diligence questionnaires and assessment frameworks through to the ongoing portfolio management and performing that continued assessment of ESG-based risks and monitoring those key performance indicators. 
using real estate as another example, the initial focus may be to identify material ESG issues during the acquisition, screening, and due diligence activities. Then when it comes to the investment decision phase, managers may need to consider how do they communicate these material issues to the investment committee and assess the impact of these issues on the valuation of the, of the real estate asset. And also, how do they consider ESG risk in terms of measuring and monitoring through the ongoing management of that property as well? So, so lots of specific considerations for private asset managers. Just a couple of examples there for you, Barry. Thanks, Jen. Some really interesting insights there. And would you say there's any specific challenges for private asset managers in meeting these ESG standards and requirements, Jen? Yes, definitely. I'd say there are certainly challenges for asset managers when it comes to compliance with ESG regulations. And I'd say that these are really common challenges that are faced by all asset managers. But perhaps there are some nuances for private asset managers specifically that they need to contend with. Um, for example, the quality and availability of ESG data remains a major challenge across the industry. For private asset managers, I'd say that they're already familiar with obtaining financial data from their portfolio companies, but it's a case now of determining what additional data is required and how are they going to collect this other ESG information to really verify that the portfolio is successfully achieving its ESG-related objectives. Also, depending upon the asset class, there will be nuances in terms of the type of data that is needed. Real estate managers may need to collect data on their buildings, such as energy efficiency metrics, whereas private equity firms may need to collect metrics on the profile of their boards or their portfolio companies to really demonstrate that the boards are suitably diverse. And then in the case where managers are running multiple private asset classes, they may also be faced with the challenge of how do they adopt a clear and consistent approach across the various asset classes to avoid the risk of investor confusion. And I think this all kind of leads to the broader challenge. The, the creation and operation of these processes uh, brings additional hurdles for firms in and of itself. Firms will need to have the capacity, the ESG knowledge and skills and resources to implement these processes that will underpin their operating models. And then lastly, firms really need to stay on top of the regulations. You know, we kind of mentioned that um, each of the regions are developing regulations at pace. So how do firms operating cross-border stay on top of what's coming and how do they monitor further developments as they unfold? The kind of the lack of standards at the moment in some jurisdictions where regulatory frameworks are yet to be developed, um, this will really make it difficult for firms looking to finalize their operating models. But hopefully this will become less of a challenge, really, as some of the global baseline of standards take greater effect over the next few years. Okay, thanks, Jen. That'll be really interesting to see how all these challenges are overcome. And Michael, following on from what Jane has described there, what types of post-trade services linked to ESG can security services firms offer uh, specifically in relation to private assets? So the uh, core services of uh, fund accounting and transfer agency are not so much directly impacted by ESG. Uh, it is really on the reporting side that we see the impact. Uh, asset managers may not have systems that are appropriate to track ESG-relevant metrics on their portfolio investments, or they may not have good reporting tools that can combine ESG information with other investment data. Or they simply may wish to outsource the full scope of collation and of the data and the reporting to an outside partner. At this stage, we see clients asking for reporting, uh, for, ex for example, 
for real estate, they have the energy certificates or the GRESB score. Uh, GRESB is the global ESG benchmark for real assets. The ability to collate and systematically track these and other ESG measures is currently a value-add proposition in the private assets security services space. Another impact is where a depository is required and ESG metrics or classifications form part of the investment criteria. So the depository in that case would need to monitor this uh, as part of their investment restriction and portfolio compliance monitoring. Thanks for outlining the services there. Jen and Michael, thank you both so much for joining me today and talking about the ESG regulatory considerations for private asset managers. It's been really interesting discussion and fascinating to look at ESG through the private assets lens. We will continue to monitor regulatory developments in the ESG space closely and we'll be sharing further insights in this area. If clients have any questions on the subject, please do follow up with your HSBC representative. Gabriella, I'll hand back to you. Thanks. Yeah, and thanks so much, Very, Michael and Jen. Um, a really interesting topic, specifically on sustainability. I know we're covering a lot of this in the next couple of months, uh, but um, you've definitely shown a light um, on the private assets world, which I wasn't even aware of. So very interesting. So I would like to thank everyone for listening to this edition of ESG Talks. Um, we hope that you enjoyed learning about ESG for private assets. Stay tuned for more from our podcasts as we explore more trends in the coming weeks. Thank you for listening today. This has been HSBC Global Viewpoint, banking and markets. For more information about anything you've heard in this podcast or to learn about HSBC's global services and offerings, please visit gbm.hsbc.com.